0: Welcome to another episode of Beauty and the Breakdown A podcast that encourages you, enlightens you, builds you up And maybe introduces you to God in ways that you've never known Don't judge me So I was reading in a devotion that says There he tested them. I once visited a testing room of a large steel mill. I was surrounded by instruments and equipment that tested pieces of steel to their limits and measured their breaking point. Some pieces had been twisted until they broke, and then some were labeled with the level of pressure that they could withstand. Some had been stretched to their breaking point with their level of strength also noted. Others had been compressed to their crushing point and measured. Because of the testing, the manager of the mill knew exactly how much stress and strain each piece of steel could endure if it was used to build a ship, building, or bridge. It is often much the same with God's children. He does not want us to be like fragile vases of glass or porcelain. He wants us to be like the toughened pieces of steel, able to endure twisting and crushing pressure to the utmost without collapse. God does not want us to be like the greenhouse plants, which are sheltered from the rough weather, but like storm-beaten oaks, not like the dunes that are driven back and forth from every gust of wind, but like the granite in the mountains that withstand the fiercest storms. Yet to accomplish this, he must take us into his testing room of suffering, and many of us need No other argument than our own experiences to prove that suffering is indeed God's testing room of faith. It is quite easy for us to talk and to theorize about faith, but God often puts us into his crucible of affliction to test the purity of our gold and to separate the dross from the mental. How happy we are if the hurricanes that blow across life's raging sea have effect of making jesus more precious to us it is better to weather the storm with christ than to sail the waters without him what if god could not manage to mature your life without suffering what actually is suffering is it being crucified like christ is it being beaten with chains is it having to undergo some type of slavery sex trade I mean, yeah, all those fall under the category of suffering. But what about us living here in the United States of America? What? How do we? How do we go through suffering? Some people, uh, because of their faith, they lose their job, or you know, they're excluded from certain cliques and groups, and you know, um, I mean, you really don't want to hang out with dickheads anyway. But. um... I hate clicks, that's why I said that. Um, I really don't care what anybody thinks about me. Sure, I can get my feelings hurt from time to time, but I wanted to, um, you know, just lay out how I deal with what I believe in suffering is. Sometimes suffering can be uh, in support of a friend, um, to stand by someone's side, uh, even through their hardships. Let's say even if it's a relative, you know, let's say you have a brother that's going down um, and you, you decide to help carry the load with them, you know. But suffering to me uh, lately has been the peeling off of the layers with like God dealing with me in ways, you know, as I talked about, I, like when I, whenever I quit drinking, and I would lay in bed at night and I would just, I could feel the, the haunting of what I had done to myself and what I had done to my marriage and what I had done, you know, God forbid, to my kids, you know, and how they viewed me. And like, those are really, between my wife and my children, those are really the people I care about the most that if they judge me or, you know, dislike me, um, or are irritated with me. It hurts, and I try to resolve it as fast as possible. Uh, Because before everything... Well, before I quit drinking, everything was always somebody else's fault. Um, This episode is for the drinkers in the back! I want to speak to people that can't get over their problem. I want to speak to people... Uh, that are even having a good time at this point in life drinking daily and going to bars being young and uh, you know not even thinking about what lies ahead because as you pursue that every day man it's gonna catch up with you and I know I sound like the dad that's shaking his finger as you drive off you know and I'm standing there at the door you know I
1: told you not to do that
0: you know It caught up with me big time. And it's, and you know what sucks is the suffering that I had to undergo to um, get me to where I am today. I knew that that was what I was going to go through in some way, shape, or form. I had no idea the details of the strain that it was going to put on me as I laid there by myself. You know, but that uh, the verse in Philippians that got it all started for me, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I laid there night after night after night after night after I decided to quit drinking and fought with myself. I fought with myself so much that I forgot who I was. I could feel the pieces of myself falling to the ground and shattering like thin porcelain. As mentioned in that devotional that I just read. I needed, and I knew that I needed, to become strong and not numb. I needed a foundation in my life. I understand why people go through AA and they treat it as if, you know, you need to submit to a higher power and and all that stuff. I couldn't quote to you the 12 steps for the life of me. I do know that there is a lot of forgiveness involved and a lot of admitting your mistakes, which is completely healthy. You know, I I did not go through AA. I went through uh, MUSC. Completely different. So, rewinding back a ways, and, uh, you know, I got to thinking about how um, in my younger years, you know, basically 21 years old to about, you know, 20, 26 years old, I, I was pretty thankful that I got to experience God the way that I did. And uh, I had my family, the girls were babies, and you know we were just starting out, I got a good job, and all things planted in my life because of this church. And like I'd mentioned before on the older episodes, that this church has been around my entire life. And I, you know, hung out there when I was a kid, skateboarded, uh, recorded some demos there, ended up going there later after meeting a friend at the Olive Garden and being put back into that church and then went there for a a long duration of time and then, you know, left the church around, um, I think, 2006 or 2007 um, when I got a divorce, but um, all that being said... I am super glad that I got to experience God the way that I did when I went to that church because I was introduced to him in ways that taught me a value and a sincere joy and a real love for who he is. And I can honor him in that way, even if I go through the worst shit I've ever been through in my whole life. He's still there and he never left. And he, matter of fact, it just feels like he's just been sitting in one spot waiting on me to come back. And that's why I love the, the story of the woman at the well that I used in another earlier episode, because it applied so much to how I felt with alcohol. So if you'd like to, to listen and to catch up on some stuff, if you're just joining us, you can find those episodes in the batch of the older episodes. So I'm going to color code the new logos as I stop and take breaks and come back. So that's why we got a new picture and a new logo and all that stuff. Uh, But anyway, I want to um, replay a sample that I played on an episode called The Road to Realization. And... um, It's this lady talking about why God is calling people out of abuse and alcoholism and drug addiction. And these people are hearing the sound of his voice and they are responding. And they're like dropping everything that they had in their lives that was causing them to keep traveling down the road of destruction. So I'm going to play this sample again and then uh, elaborate on it a bit. Check it out.
2: Do you know why you are seeing... So many addicts, the lost, rising up. They are proclaiming the power, the love, the grace of God on their lives. Do you know why? Because God is raising up his army. Those who have seen the devil... We lived with him. We worked with him. He's raising those up. To show those who think because they attend a church building. And they've memorized some scriptures. That they are the righteous. They honor him with their lips. But their hearts are far from him. They deny the power thereof. He's raising up those who were cast aside, left behind, discredited, laughed at, talked about, slandered. He's raising them up. He's making the least, the greatest, and the greatest the least. If you are lost, if you are in addiction, if you are suffering with suicidal thoughts because of trauma, rejection, abandonment, come to the Lord. He's going to raise you up just like he has the rest of us. This is not about religion. This isn't about a church building. This is about the true power of God. We were made for this time for a reason. We endured hell on this earth for a reason. Repent and rise up. Know who you are who God created you to be in this hour. It's worth it. The true army of God is being shown. Praise God.
0: I tell people all the time that with alcohol out of your life, it is the only thing where the grass truly is greener on the other side you got to go through hell to hop that fence but it's worth it it's so worth it everybody's walking around these days thinking something bad's gonna happen soon something terrible's coming i just feel it i just know it and most of the people that i see saying that are the ones that will say it and conversate about it and then put the bottle right up to their mouth and chug more alcohol and stoop even further into the stupidest idiotic most belligerent crap that I can even imagine. I I mean I I mean I don't know. But like if if they know it and they just keep on drinking and they just keep on doing their thing because they just don't give a shit anymore. And yeah, you know, I've been there. It's you know, it's when you're numb and you don't care. You could still talk about your you know, your surroundings that are going on daily, but I don't know. And um, there's just some some things that stick out to me, like in uh, the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close in on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon those who live on the face of the whole earth be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen that you may be able to stand before the son of man all that's about to happen what is that what is that i don't know there's a lot of room for doubt you know like the end is nay (laughs) but you know that he said that two thousand years ago you know so it's just like there, there's a lot of people out there that just drink and talk about stuff, and they're like, oh, I ain't coming anytime soon. It's just, you know, I just gonna have no drink. I don't, but the end, the end is coming. I can feel it, yeah. But it's coming soon. It ain't coming anytime soon. I just gonna drink this one. I Then you're kicked out of the bar. In Romans 13, it says, "So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light." And you know, as I talked about the the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, all that stuff. How do you do that? How do you wear that? You know, you can still wear it, and uh, you can uh, go to church, and you can still have a drinking problem. I did it for years, but I just know everything eventually just doesn't fit right. It's like walking out of the store with a pair of shoes. That you know it's your size, but it's an odd pair of shoes. It's your size, but the shoe just doesn't fit right. You know what I mean? But says, in Romans 13, it says, So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness and not in sexual immorality and debauchery. Not in dissension and jealousy, but rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You're a slave to that stuff. If you keep going back to it, it has control over you. And the wild thing is this. It's like the people that say, oh, I'm just going to cut back on the alcohol during the week and maybe just drink during the weekends, or maybe just drink once or twice a month. I think If you do that, and you've had a consistent drinking problem, that's the most moronic thing that you could possibly do for yourself. You're just stalling it out. And it's not going to work. You're going to end up right back where you were, or worse. If you have a problem with alcohol, drugs, or any other kind of pills, substance abuse of any kind whatsoever... And you believe in God and you're starting to go to church, great. That's a good, honest, awesome step. I welcome you into the journey, the time of your life. But I really, really hope that you pay attention to yourself because a lot of it is up to you. God's not going to come in and just be like, you're done. You know what I mean? He does that to some people that really, really need it. His mercy and his grace is amazing. But some people have to go through a long process to really get rid of the things that they themselves have allowed to come into their life. And if you pursue God and you keep your drinking problem, it's not a good thing. It's not a good mix. It's like milk and concrete don't drink that that's bad
1: listen to what this guy has to say drunk christians aren't going to help anyone that's the reason the bible tells us in ephesians 5 and verse 18 do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit instead of being filled with alcohol and drugs we are to be filled with god's holy spirit and the same way that Alcohol affects the way you talk and the way you walk. The Holy Spirit is to affect the way that you talk and the way that you walk and the way that you live and the way that you think. And we are to be under the influence of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So remember, the Bible does not condemn moderate drinking, but it does condemn drunkenness. If you cannot control it, you need to stay away from it completely. If you cannot keep from getting drunk and having it control you, then leave it alone. Because this is not a game, this is a very serious matter. But God wants you to be sober, vigilant, have your wits about you, so that you can fight the devil, so that you can represent him properly in this world. So don't be drunk, stay filled with the Holy Spirit.
0: It is so difficult to throw alcohol out of your life. It's very, 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 very difficult. It's not easy. I'm not sitting here talking like, well, you can do it, you know, because it takes people years. It, it didn't take me in a moment, you know, as I told you in one of those earlier episodes, that was when I quit. But it took me, man, 15 years, 10, 15 years to actually do it. And that whole time I knew it, it's like every time I put the the glass up to my mouth. I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. But I did it anyway. I was a slave to it. It got me. It bit my ass. But I can say that there is a real freedom not having to rely on that anymore. And there is a further freedom that's even bigger than that freedom in God and knowing how real He actually is. Galatians 5 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I think about that all the time. I actually think about being sober for a long period of time and then thinking about, oh, well, will it be okay to drink again one day? Will it be okay to go somewhere and have a celebratory moment with some group of people and have a drink? Will it be okay if I do anything in regards to alcohol and taking a sip of that? And the answer is no. That's not okay. That's like... You know, getting out of jail, serving a sentence for murder, and then stepping right out the gate and stabbing somebody right in the face. I don't want to go back. I pray every day that I don't go back. And I pray every day and I it, it says to approach the throne of grace with thanksgiving, into into his courts with thanksgiving. You know, when you when you pray and you you think I got nothing I got to pray about. I feel bad for just asking God for everything. He wants you to do that. But hey, if you really want to kick the ball and have a good kickoff and a real good start to the game, you know, just enter into his courts with Thanksgiving. Take 10 minutes before you start asking him for stuff and tell him how much you love him and tell him how thankful you are that you're alive. Tell him how thankful you are for your job, even though you might hate it. Tell them how thankful you are for your freaking car or your neighbors or whatever is good in your life. Or examine your own heart. And be thankful for those things because that grows. When you start recognizing the things that are in your life that are good and that you need to expand in the area of goodness and gratefulness and mercy and love and peace and strength and joy and kindness Those are the things that you need to focus on, man. Get your head out of the mud. Get that rut out of your mind. If you're stuck there, and I know some of you listening to this show are stuck there. I get crazy messages from folks. I got friends in the hospital that are basically just on the last leg because they've mistreated themselves. And I'm sick of seeing my friends that are in their 40s dying like they're in their 80s. It sucks. I got one guy I wrote off and I swore I would never be friends with this dude again. Because it was just awful. But... Hearing about his situation, and now he's finally admitting his faults because he was such a drunkard, and that he would cover up everything. The next day, and he was just blinded by his own numbness and drunkenness and stupidity that I just couldn't take it anymore, and I had to get him out of my life. and It it hurt so bad, and it took me two years to be able to do that because I love the dude, but now he's still fighting. And he'll go through these spurts, these long spurts of not drinking, and then he'll fall off the wagon again. But people try to just hold on to sobriety as long as they can. And like everyone has some real struggles. Everyone's different. But the main thing is I don't want that dude to call me when he's shit-faced. I want him to call me to talk to me and hang out. And be sober. And learn ways that there's so much you can do throughout your day without having to drink. You don't need it. And if you're fighting that, keep fighting and find ways to survive without the alcohol. Some people get sick if they don't drink. I get it. That's why my friend's in the hospital. That's why... Um, A whole bunch of other personal things are going on uh, for some folks. I cannot talk about it. But I just know and I see all these different angles. And I wish so hard that these awesome people would recognize God. And it would help them walk away from alcohol and walk a way that they never have before. Before. They won't stumble in their stupor and they won't remain a fool to everyone. Going back to what Christ said in the book of Luke, I want to connect it to first Peter chapter four. It states that therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to the men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Connection with Luke. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Look, dude, this isn't about judging people. A lot of people that are numbed with alcohol or have some hard bitterness toward, bitterness toward God think that we're just out here pointing the finger and we have our Bibles and we're thumping it on everybody's face. But if you really look into What Jesus says, all throughout the Gospels, it's all about love and putting others first. What he condemned was the people that were so filled with their self-righteousness that they condemned others and put others down. The world's got it backwards. And the world, it says that the world is going to hate you if you choose God. Well, I'm not wallowing around in my own drunkenness anymore. And I know a real treasure that is beautiful and it is real and it helps and it heals and it allows me to love and have patience and understanding and listen to people. All of those things, whenever I was drinking, I blotted out. I didn't love. I didn't care. I argued with everybody. Everything was always somebody else's fault. Excuses, excuses, excuses. And then poor health. I love my friends and I love everyone that I meet. And I try to have patience and love and understanding for everybody. There's some people that I cannot be around most of those people over the past 2 years have pretty much evaporated and i still see them online and man there's some angry folks out there man and they they just consistently post about politics and you know they hate god and like I, these are people that have just they seem to have really never just given him a shot and they're just judging god by what they see other people doing but they haven't ask God for themselves. They just throw him in a box. But he is real and he is good and his love endures forever. And if you seek him, you will find him. Start going to church. If you have a drinking problem, and you have no idea where to go or what to do. I have been putting together a Bible reading plan because I finished my Bible reading plan early. And so I started taking notes on where I was going through and reading. And it just, everything started to fit together in these weird little increments. And, and it, everything started to connect. And I found myself going down these rabbit holes of just understanding love patience peace kindness joy and learning the value of what a victorious god looks after us and created us that's what i seek when i read and i hope that if someone's listening to this and they're they're just bound by addiction that they can that they can choose to maybe reach out to me Or reach out to somebody else and get the help that they need. Because periodically, I'm going to do a show for the drinkers in the back. And I want people to know that God is good. It's so important to me. It's changed everything about me over the past two years all because i i knew god was real and i just i went on a bible reading plan for one year and i just finished it a month a month and a half ago actually because i i would sit some mornings i had too much time on my hands and i would just soak in it and just read and just try to understand the study notes and and it was it was beautiful it changed my life and it's real and it like it, if you apply what you're reading in that big thick book man it will it will flip you around and completely transform you yes, yes. you still have your own choices that you're allowed to make and you still are going to screw up beyond belief but everything is a process And it's up to you to get where you know you need to go. As I've mentioned before, I have sheets that you can go by and you can write down your triggers and your urges and how many drinks that you have per day or per week. I will send it to you. If you'd like, you can hit me up at beautyinthebreakdown803 at gmail.com. And talk to me and tell me what you need me to send you. And I will be more than happy to respond. And send you whatever you need. But I care about people that are addicted to things. Because I know the destruction that lies before them. And the destruction that they're causing. And that they've caused. And it's so terrible. What you're doing to yourselves. And if you're young and you're having fun and you're doing stuff and going out and drinking, and man, just don't let it turn into an everyday habit when you're alone and you just gotta have, you always gotta have a beer in the evenings. Unless you're extremely, you know, disciplined and you can really just have that one beer after work every day, you know, cause I know for me, that one beer turned into five and then five turned into ten and then ten turned into, Oh, God, I don't even know, man. But on the weekends, you know, I would cut back during the week and I'd feel good about drinking three beers a day. Even that is self-destructive. But then on the weekends, man, I wouldn't care how much I drank because it was the weekend and I cut back. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Stupid. I hope I didn't take too many years off my life because I really do enjoy my life and I love living... And I, I love being healthy. And life is truly greener on the other side with alcohol out of the way. I watched a movie recently called I'm Not Here. And it's got that guy that's in all the movies. I can't remember his name. His name is, uh, J.K. Simmons. And in this movie, he doesn't say a word. Not one word. It just consists of him living in the same house that he's always lived in his entire life. But he has flashbacks of when the house was alive and vibrant and beautiful. One of my biggest fears, um, of getting older is dying alone. I had those fears for a reason because I, something in me was alert. And I was pushing things away from me that were the most important. All because of alcohol. And everything around me that I loved and truly valued, I was damaging, hurting, um, picking at piece by piece in unhealthy ways. Um, I, was, I was a monster. And I was becoming more and more of a monster every day. Because of alcohol. In this movie, when this man has his flashbacks, uh, spoiler alert, um, he doesn't—he uh, doesn't ever say a word. Like I said, but he remembers while he's sitting in certain rooms of his house, like what took place in those rooms years ago. He had a beautiful wife, and he was a sharp-looking dude, and they had a and they had a beautiful child together. And because of his drinking as the story started to thicken, she couldn't take it anymore. She left the house. Um, their son was killed in an accident because he chose to turn around and get a drink at a bar or at a restaurant. And the kid runs out the door into the street, gets hit by a car. Um, so it just shows him periodically throughout the movie, the house would be dark, you know, and he's an old man and he's emaciated and he's not... Obviously hadn't taken care of himself and his bills are scattered all over the floor and he's getting messages on his phone saying that they're going to cut his power off and he's just not kept up with his money and his whole life fell apart. All because he chose to drink. And it just, I'm scared of being that person. I'm scared personally of even having my daughters think for one second that I can't take my child over to their grandfather's house because he has a drinking problem. I can't lose my job and let my wife and my family down because of a drinking problem. And man, that's almost happened several times. Nothing was addressed to me by any boss whatsoever, but I know they knew several times. And I got close. I was extremely lucky in that department. But I showed up, swung the hammer, and went about my day completing my work. But that movie is called I'm Not Here. And if you have a drinking problem or know someone that has a drinking problem, maybe you should watch that film and share it with them. It's a great movie. Um, But... I wanted to throw that out there and I also wanted to play something to wrap this up that I recently heard while on TikTok and it's a a counselor and uh, he's 100% right. And I want to add a little couple things at the end but I wanted to play this for you um, so that you can hear it. And there's going to be other episodes on this subject because I feel that it's very important to circle back to it. Check this out.
3: When you quit drinking, something magical happens. When you stop numbing your mind and you stop numbing your emotions, your true self is revealed. And whatever that self is, is the thing that's going to carry you and help you create the most beautiful life that you've ever imagined. But what people fear about quitting drinking is that very thing, is that they cannot stand being with themselves. The number one thing, in fact, people are most afraid of when it comes to quitting drinking is the boredom that they're gonna feel. But the boredom that they feel is induced by their previous actions and behavior, namely consuming alcohol. Because alcohol changes your dopamine set point, causing you to be a dopamine deficit, and now your neurochemistry is imbalanced, and normal every day-to-day life starts to feel boring. So quitting drinking means that you have to now confront yourself, your mental and emotional operating system, and you have to begin working on and improving and healing and fixing and upgrading and optimizing who and what you are as a human being. And all of those goals and dreams that you have about your health or relationships or finances or career or where you're gonna travel to and the house that you're gonna live in and the car that you're gonna drive, All that is only going to come when you fully embrace who and what you are and you stop running and you stop numbing and you stop hiding and you allow yourself to fully confront your mind and you allow yourself to fully confront your emotions. The thing is though, is that most human beings, most adults are actually children living in adult bodies. And this became very clear to me in my early 20s as I've been studying success and psychology and interpersonal communication and all that stuff for really half my life. It really became clear to me that if you do not have agency, which is just another term for the word control over your mental patterns, the voice inside your head and the way that you talk to yourself or over your emotional system, meaning that you are a very emotionally uh, volatile person, you take everything personally, you're very reactive, hot-headed, you get angry easily, you get frustrated easily. If you do not have agency, then you are effectively operating uh, like a child or like a teenager, because a child or a teenager doesn't know how to understand and process its mind and a child or a teenager is also emotionally reactive now all of this stems from childhood trauma and a lack of understanding and education of the human operating system as a whole
0: that dude knocked the ball right out of the park As I described to you how I dealt with myself laying there in the dark every night by myself, pondering in my mind and wondering, how am I going to get over this? Am I going to make it? Am I going to live? Do I want to live? Because I hated myself. I had to deal with in my internal corruption and how I violated my own mind and my heart and what kind of person that I was. And the kind of person I was going to wake up in the morning and have to deal with because inside I was no good and I wanted to die. And I was dead to my own self and I know that I was dead to others because I numbed myself out of a careless choice to continue to keep drinking. And I continued to keep drinking and drinking and drinking until I got to the point where I didn't give a shit about anything not even myself and when you don't care about yourself then that just goes and it gets deeper and deeper and more destructive to others and then they don't know how to do anything for you because they can't because you have to make the decision to make your life better and everything that that man said about like a child with childhood trauma childhood trauma It makes sense because my childhood was so traumatic and so screwed up. I had a great childhood, but man, it it has some dark corners. So upon dealing with myself and recognizing how screwed up I was and how much I hated myself, the God factor came in and I would just like to wrap it up with this. If you're in this situation and you hate things and you don't even know why you hate them, but you just keep going in this downward spiral. And you know that this direction that you're going in, turn around, look up, have faith, have faith in yourself. Have faith in the others that are trying to reach out to you. Listen to people, take the first step and let your ears be open to what others are saying to you. And don't deny, stop denying, stop being a victim because you're throwing your chances away of actually turning around and running in the right direction. I wanted to play that clip again earlier of that woman saying that people are sobering up and running to God because he's building his army and that's 100% true. This is like a part two of On the Road to Realization, because what God is doing through people and what God is doing to so many people that I'm around on a daily basis is amazing. And His peace is real, and His guidance is real, and His word is real. And if you take your moments where you're sobering up and you take all that anger that you have at yourself and you just go into the realm of the Creator, and you ask him to show up, he's gonna do it. And he's gonna deliver you and you're gonna be changed and you're gonna have a new hope and a new song in your heart. And it's gonna be unbelievable and the only way that you can actually experience this is to actually believe and to have faith. There's a lot of people out there that say, God didn't do anything for you and you sobered up, you did it by yourself. You did a lot by yourself. You're going to do a lot by yourself. You're going to have to work out a ton of things by yourself because you have to choose to make it happen. And you can do it. Alcohol is not what you need. And I love you and I want to pray for you. And my heart breaks for people that are sick They're sick when they can't drink and it sucks, but there is hope and you can get over the sickness. You can get over your mindset that you're a victim of something. You can rise up and believe in yourself and make it happen. It will be so beneficial for you, your heart, your soul, and for your family and for your friends and for your job and everything that you do you can be fruitful at it again and you can be amazing and then you the best part about it is dude you could turn around and you can help so many people with the same problem that you had because of what you went through that's all i got for you on this one send this to somebody that needs to hear it, okay? And uh, until next time, peace be with you.